Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Amen. Let's talk about it. I, I want to talk to you about a changed heart. A changed heart, because that's what's happened in this man. We're talking about the same man that would throw somebody in a lion's den, that would throw the people of God into a fire, is now saying, I praise and extol and honor the King of Heaven. But a lot happened to get there. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it was an unusual move that happened in a company years ago. Corporations, particularly really big businesses, corporations typically look through the glass window of their office out into their employees to find and hire the best and brightest they have to sit in the seat of CEO, chief executive officer. They rarely look into their rear view mirror to find somebody who used to lead and ask them to do it again. But the company that everybody knows as Apple did that in 1996. There's a man that's become well-known in the business world, the tech world, by the name of Steve Jobs. I've got a picture of him that we're going to show you this morning. If you've never seen him before, this is the mind behind the company, Apple. He founded that tech giant, Apple, and if you have any electronic device, such as the one that my notes are on this morning, or the one that's on my wrist, or the one that's in my back pocket, if you've got any device that starts with a lowercase i, Steve Jobs' creative fingerprints are all over it. It come from the mind of this man, and he didn't do it all, but the vision was in his mind for that company. But business was not always going well for Apple. There was a time in which it most certainly was not. And after some complaints and conflicts, the board of Apple sided with their current CEO, whom Steve Jobs recruited. And they removed Jobs from their computer division. The guy he recruited removed him. And in a speech that he made at Stanford University 20 years later, he remarked this, I was out and very publicly out. What had been the entire focus of my entire adult life was gone and it was devastating. I was a very public failure. But in 1996, Apple was found struggling again. And they observed Steve Jobs' new up-and-coming company and they saw that they had to purchase it. They had no choice. And they returned Steve Jobs to his CEO position just, two, just one year later. And it was from that seat after that point that Steve Jobs steered Apple to the iPod, to the iPhone, and then to the iPad. And that's when the success really blew up. It's a story that's very rare. They don't let somebody go and then bring them back. It just doesn't happen. It shows that you made the wrong decision. But they accepted that decision and they brought him back. And thank goodness that they did for their company's sake because it saved them. Long before Apple ever rose and fell and rose again, Babylon faced almost the exact same thing. 
It was a power struggle. God ousted Nebuchadnezzar, got him out of there due to his pride. But when he repented and he realized that God was in charge, not him, God restored him to his sanity and his mental ability. And when Babylon went looking for another king, they found their previous king and set the crown back on his head. Life has a way of making leaders better, sometimes by stopping leading for a minute and learning. And that's what happened with Nebuchadnezzar. That's what we're going to talk about today. This, this tragic thing that turned into a blessed thing in the life of Nebuchadnezzar. What happened? Why it happened? But God can reach out to anybody. He can reach out and touch. Well, you mean he's throwing people into a fire? You mean he's throwing people into a den of lions and God would reach out to him? Absolutely. That's what God did. He reaches out to anybody. There's another situation I'd like to bring to your attention. William stood alone in the hall as his classmates participated in mandatory prayer before class. When William's mother, Madeline Murray O'Hare, realized the scenario, she filed suit against the school system because of her stance against God. The dispute and the follow-up lawsuit eventually reached the United States Supreme Court. And in his book, My Life Without God, William Murray revealed that after having been manipulated by his mother for many years, followed by a devastating life of alcoholism, he finally found freedom and healing at the age of 33. He took a stand in direct opposition to his mother's cause and announced he was a believer in God. And William established the nonprofit organization Religion Freedom Coalition based in D.C. And it pushes for the defense and preservation of America's Christian heritage and it monitors Christian persecution throughout the world. Don't think that God can't reach somebody who's even entirely opposed to him. Now, I just want to stop for a minute this morning because I know in our nature, sometimes as Christians, sometimes as apostolics, we see somebody who's living in the world, somebody who is so far out in it, they're lost, they don't know where they're at or what to do, and they're just roaming around. They don't act the way we do. They don't dress the way we do. They don't talk the way we do. And there is something that happens in our minds sometimes. We automatically write them off that God is not going to reach out to them. And that's a problem. Yes, but I'm going to tell you something this morning. I have seen people that are possessed by spirits in an altar that got delivered from it within an hour and was full of the Holy Ghost. Yes, amen. Now, the entity that was residing in them was completely opposed to God and had possessed that person to be opposed to God as well. They had given over control to that. But God changed them fundamentally and now they serve Him. Amen. You cannot get so far away from God that God cannot reach you. And there's nobody you know that's so far away from God that He'll never be able to reach them. Now, part of it is their decision. Part of it is what they're going to do because God can't save anybody that don't want to be saved. Come on. Amen. You got to make a decision. And so they have to do something on their part. But if they'll do that, it don't matter what they've done, how many times they did it, who they did it with, in what year they did it, or what age they are, God will deliver them. Is there anybody believes that this morning? 
We serve a God of second chances that delivers. Amen. Amen. There, there is no bog so low. There's no dark place that's too dark. There's no evil place that's too decrepit for him to get into and save you out of that or anybody. Amen. Some people we deem beyond redemption. Amen. We, we say that they're just beyond that point because of their anti-God actions or their worldly appearance or whatever it may be. We need to be careful about picking up that kind of attitude. Amen. In spite of what we think, in spite of our presumptions, God has a way of showing us that no matter what the outward manifestation is that's rejecting God, He still loves everybody. Amen. I know that's not the most revelational thing this morning, but guess what? He still loves everybody. Yes, he Amen. Hallelujah. That person that gets under your skin at work, he loves them. That neighbor that's bumping the loud music that you can't think straight in the middle of the night, he loves them. The person that's got tattoos from head to toe, he loves them. The person that's addicted, he loves them. Yes, he does. I just want to hammer this down this morning. And so I'm going to take it a little bit further. The homosexual, he loves them. You can hate the sin, but love the sinner. That's right. And some people's got a bad spirit on them, and you not like the spirit, but God still wants the soul. You hear me this morning? God still wants the soul. He can get that spirit out of them, but He still wants the soul. And we got to look beyond the spirit sometimes and see that they have a soul that's valuable to God. Every person does. Amen. Amen. If, uh, maybe there's somebody coming to mind to you today that, that you've kind of written off, even if you didn't mean to do it. Maybe we need to change our mindset. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. He loves everybody. And I don't want to get to a place where I'm trying to reach out and witness to just the people that are upstanding in community. All right? I don't want to just get to that place where I want to reach out to somebody who is just the most approachable person. Because it's also those people that are unapproachable that maybe don't look the way that you think that they should that are living in the deepest pit that needs somebody to reach down and grab them up. Right. I've got scripture for it. It says some have saved by love and compassion, but some have reached down into the fire and picked them up. Yeah. Amen. We need to take the lens off that would obstruct our view of who all needs God. It's hard to imagine those who are mindless and careless toward the things of God standing in the presence of God now with hands raised, lifting Him up, worshiping next to you. But you know what? We were all in that place at one time. Yes. Every single person. 
was at one time in that place where you were without God. But now you stand with the saints and worship. It can happen for them. It can happen for them. The biblical account of Nebuchadnezzar is a great reminder of this. God can take the most hardened heart, the most unlikely person, and soften that heart toward him. Nebuchadnezzar was familiar with dreams from God. I want to put the face uh, with the name for you today of Nebuchadnezzar. I showed you this picture last week, and it's an artist rendering, you know, but I just want to put a face with that name for you today. The king, the one, the ruler of Babylon. He had had dreams, and his first recorded dream was an opportunity for God to bring Daniel to the forefront and interpret the dream uh, for Babylon and, and what God's intention for Babylon would be. And after this second memorable, frightful dream, King Nebuchadnezzar called all his wise men together you know, like he does, get all the wise men, all the, uh, the magicians, the people uh, who know things about uh, the spiritual realm, get them all together. And I want to understand this dream that I've had. And so he gets the magicians, the astrologers, the enchanters. When you see an enchanter in the Bible, it's referring to a witch, a diviner or a, a fortune teller. Uh, and he brings them all together, expecting them to interpret his dream but he was looking for answers in the wrong places. He was going after people that had no power within them. And these men were not believers in the one true God. They had no power to give an answer. And finally, Daniel was called. And he was the only one able to interpret the dream. And although he was a captive in a foreign land, things were not turning up for him. It did not look good. The outset was not wonderful for Daniel and his friends. God put him in the right place at the right time to be used by him. Let me say this morning, maybe it's not the most ideal situation in your life right now, but it might be that God is putting you in the right place at the right time for what he wants to do. Amen. It just might be that God wants to use you in a spiritual gift to interpret something to somebody and you're in the right place at the right time. Because Daniel was able to interpret the first dream, he was aware that Daniel had a connection with the spiritual world. And so it's hard to understand why he didn't call Daniel first if he knew he could interpret it. But after all his searching... God's servant was the one whom Nebuchadnezzar found to get answers. And so Nebuchadnezzar explained his dream to Daniel. This dream. He saw a very large tree growing healthy and lush in the middle of the earth. And it reached high into the sky and provided a place for birds to build their nests. It sheltered animals on the ground from the beating sun. And the ripe fruit from the branches provided food for all the living creatures around. This is all in this dream he's having. And then a messenger appeared from heaven and declared that the tree was to be cut down. And all the leaves and the vegetation were to be stripped and scattered. The stump and the roots were to be left in the ground and bound with a chain to the earth. The rest of the tree was destroyed. Then he saw the stump become like a wild beast, wet with dew on its back, running in a pack with the wild animals 
for seven periods of time. And at the end of this dream, the purpose was revealed in verse 17 of Daniel chapter 4. This decision is by decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know. This is why. This is why this is happening. That the most high rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. Why is he having this dream? What's the purpose of it? God wants Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon and everybody watching that it's him who rules over the earth. And if anybody has any success, if anybody does well, it's because of him. Amen. When's the last time today that you gave God credit for where you come? He deserves it. He deserves it. Amen. There's no success that I've got that I don't... Uh, uh, that I don't need to turn it back to God for everything that I have. If, if you've had any success, if God's brought you out of anything, it's because of Him and not you. Yeah. Right. Amen. That's what He wanted everybody to know. So this was a dream. He had this dream, and it was about a year later that Nebuchadnezzar, while strolling through his palace, became puffed up with pride. Amen. Puffed up with pride like a Cheeto puff. And uh, he was walking around that kingdom and he was proud of everything that he had and where he had come. You know, he's just conquering kingdoms left and right. It was rich. It was powerful and had become a resource for other countries that were in need. But his pride became his downfall. You remember I told you about last week, Nebuchadnezzar was a builder. He was a builder, and I showed you artist renderings of what was known as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world that he had built. Built up this kingdom. Kingdom had either four or five walls around it. He built, and he built, and he built, and he became prideful in what he was building. And his words are recorded in Daniel chapter 4. Now, if you don't take my word for it, take Nebuchadnezzar's word for it, okay? Daniel chapter 4, verse 30 the king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? My, 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 Pride. Can somebody say amen? And do you know that immediately prophecy from the dream came to pass and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from his palace to live among the beasts of the field for a period of seven times now I've got a few pictures of artist renderings of this but Blake if you want to flip through uh, those two pictures you got them awesome this is the artist rendering of King Nebuchadnezzar eating grass with the beasts of the field. The king. This, I know this is a little, it, it's kind of a lot, this is a historical picture and this is adult class. William Blake, the famous artist, did this picture and it's just called Nebuchadnezzar. 
And if you notice, if you look closely, you'll see the long hair had grown. You'll see that the nails on his feet and fingers had grown like talons, like a beast of the field. And there, there he was. The, the, the dream had come to pass. It had come to pass. Instantly, as a result of his pride. Seven times, a period of seven times, the Bible says. Some scholars suggest that seven times mean seven years. Seven years as a beast in the field. Others say it was referring to seven seasons. But whatever length of time it was, God chose to allow this to happen. And it was enough to change the hardened, prideful heart of the king into a humble, tender heart for God. I think God knows how to humble somebody. Amen. <laughs> Maybe, possibly. What do you think? Amen. Uh, what a tragic thing. Now, it's not just the, uh, the grotesqueness of that picture, but you understand how far the fall was. I mean, revered, understood, powerful king of Babylon. Conquering kingdoms and taking them in left and right. Building up wonders of the world. He went from building wonders of the ancient world down to a beast of the field. And we should never underestimate the wisdom of God. Amen. God was trying to send a message in a dream to Nebuchadnezzar. God knows what it takes to change the heart of an individual. It is in the nature of humanity because of sin to become prideful and self-indulgent. And only God can bring us to face our failures, to confess our sin and to see that He is our salvation. Now I want you to stop and, 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 and try to picture this a minute. Brother Blake, put up that picture again, that last picture. Nebuchadnezzar, and, and he's just trudging through the world, living as an animal. And we talk about people that God maybe can't reach people that are just so far off people that are so far gone people that are trudging through this world to us sometimes we see them as because of the life that god has brought us to and you and i we've talked about this already in a lesson we are trying to perfect holiness in our lives we're trying we're on a journey when you get the holy ghost you're baptized in jesus name it's not the end of your journey Amen. We're journeying toward holiness to a point one day where we're going to be like Him. Amen? Amen. This is our journey. And when we're living in all that, sometimes it can become very easy to see the person who is, out, who is without God as an animal trudging through the earth because they don't have any of this. They're not living with the benefits that you and I have. They're living for God. It's a good life living for the Lord. Yes, I said, it's a good life living for the Lord. That's not just a cliche, a song we sing. It really is a good life living for the Lord. And He's been good to me. 
And sometimes, instead of looking at the other people and saying, man, they're just living like an animal without God, i got to remember that there was a time when I was living like an animal without God. And here's the thing. If somebody just goes out in the field and they see this man who's living like a beast and thinking, well, there's a crazy person. I wonder what's wrong with him. But they don't understand that God has brought them low. He brought Nebuchadnezzar low so he could build him up. So hang on here a minute. We look out and we see people. We don't understand that he is bringing them low. And they're going through what they're going through. So maybe God will use us in an opportunity to reach them. And the Lord can build them up. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. I feel like God's speaking to somebody trying to change your view of things. Amen. Lord, change our vision. Yes. Change our outlook on the sinners. Help us to see things like you. Somebody wrote a song and said, uh, give me eyes like you have to see those that are walking by me. I see somebody, they're, they're dressed different than me. They've got earrings, you know, they're tat- tattooed up and they're cussing and they're saying all kind of junk. And, you know, maybe it crawls all over you a little bit, but you got to see past that, friend. You got to see past that and understand they have a soul. Lord, help us this morning. They have a soul. And yes, they're living unlike a godly person would live for God. But maybe the Lord is bringing them to a place where He can build them up. Amen. Nebuchadnezzar, you built stuff long enough. Now I'm going to try to build you up. How does God do that? How does the Lord do that? Yes, yes, sometimes He causes people to deal with things. He brings them to the end of their rope so that they'll only turn to Him. But He's got to have somebody. There's got to be somebody who will look beyond that and say, I know a God that you need. I know a Savior that brought me up out of the field where I was living like an animal and set me and built me up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Lord will do it. The Lord will do it. A change of mind begins with a change of heart. And God leads us to repentance. He leads us to change. You've already repented. And God's still leading you to change this morning. Amen. He's still leading you to change. There's still some changing you can do today. Yeah, there's a lot of changing they can do, but there's some changing I can do. Amen. The Lord's not done working on me. No doubt Nebuchadnezzar woke up troubled when he had the dream. He knew it meant something significant, but he couldn't interpret it on his own. And after looking for answers and finding none, he eventually learned the true interpretation from Daniel. And at first, when Daniel heard the dream, he was afraid to tell the king because of what it might mean for him. He said, well, you're going to live like a beast of the field for seven periods of time. Oh, really? All right, we're going to have you killed for that. You know, I mean, that, that's, that's his thought process. If he, if he gives him this interpretation. 
And he told the king that he wished the dream referred to the king's enemies or somebody else. But it was unfortunately for him. The tree represented the king himself being cut down. He would be great and powerful for a time, but he would eventually be reduced to nothing. He'd be driven into the fields with the animals and have the mind of a beast for a period of time. So you understand that he was considered an insane person living like a beast in the field. The mind of a beast. The mind of the beast. The mind of the world that causes people in the view of God to live like animals. Sin will do that. Sin will do that. And so you've got to take on the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. Amen. To do what is right because our nature is to sin when we begin living on this world. Daniel beseeched the king to repent and humble himself before God so he wouldn't, this wouldn't come on him. The interpretation also revealed how to be driven out of his palace by his enemies. And he may have had to run for his life or been driven out because of an altered mind thinking more like a beast than a man. But whatever the case, the prophecy was fulfilled and the enemies forced him from his throne to wander in the fields like an animal. Nebuchadnezzar had had a dream that no one could interpret. Daniel not only interpreted that dream, but God allowed him to discern the dream that the king couldn't remember. And it was all in this that God was reaching for the heart of Nebuchadnezzar. That was the point of all this. God was reaching for his heart. The Lord wanted Nebuchadnezzar to devote everything to him. He was giving him dreams. He was performing miracles. He was tugging at your heart. Whenever you see God begin to perform things around you, just go ahead and take it as a sign. God is pulling at you. Yeah. You hear me this morning? Amen. You see God begin to do things around you. You need to go ahead and take it as a sign. God is calling me to something. There is something that is happening. Something that's stirring. This morning, you have already felt the Holy Ghost come into this room. May I say, I think God may be tugging at somebody's heart. Amen. I think God's tugging at somebody's heart. Amen. Hallelujah. And God's power was on display. Clear. Clearly. When Nebuchadnezzar watched Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego coming out of a fiery furnace unburnt. Daniel 3 and 27. And the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. And even after that, although Nebuchadnezzar seemed to understand who the living God was, he still reverted to his false gods in verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Notice he didn't say my God. Who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. But our text this morning shows that the ultimate test for the king appears to have been successful. Nebuchadnezzar finally acknowledged the power 
of the true living God after he recovered from the sentence that was pronounced on him in the dream. Even in the way that this king was, killing servants of God, killing the people of God, destroying the nation of the people of God, God was still reaching for him. He still reached for him. You'd think that he'd be the one that God would just destroy and have rid of. God was reaching for his heart. He's always merciful and loving toward us. Jeremiah 31 and 3. The Lord has appeared of old to me saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Everybody say everlasting. His love is everlasting. Therefore, with loving kindness... I have drawn you. He was drawing Nebuchadnezzar. And so the desire of God is to draw near to us. Amen. The Lord wants to draw near to you this morning. And every person not living for God, He wants to draw near to them too. Hallelujah. And He doesn't give up easily, but we got to be willing to allow that change to happen. We got to allow it to happen. And as God draws near to us, things begin to change. The things that we used to do that are unpleasing to Him no longer entice us. I wonder if I could see a show of hands this morning. It can't be seen on the camera or anything, but if since you've been living for God, there's things that you used to do that you know didn't please God that now they don't entice you. You just wave your hand. There's things that don't entice you anymore because you know that it doesn't please God. And if it doesn't please your God, it don't please you anymore. Amen. That's what God does. Our desires, our appetites, and longings begin to lean toward Him as we serve Him more and more. Put off the old man. Put on the new. Behold, all things are made new. That's the business of God. He makes old things of the world into new things of God. Amen. And something that is so just, just torn down and rotted out. Things that have no value. I preached a sermon uh, several times to youth before called Transformation of a Pearl. And it's about how this happens. A grain of sand that there's trillions of them in the ocean. And there's no value to them. You go into a jewelry store, they don't have a sign that says sand for sale. But really, there is because it gets trapped in an oyster. And all of a sudden, over the period of years, that oyster will cover it in a substance called nacre. Shiny substance. It's actually the same substance that's on the outside of that oyster. And over years and years, something, there's a struggle to it. There's irritation that happens. There's a process to all of it. But over a period of years, something that had no value becomes something that people put in their jewelry cabinets and is worth thousands of dollars in a pearl. You didn't realize it, but those jewelry stores are selling sand. It's just been perfected by an oyster. And I'm just a sinner that God's trying to perfect. Amen. I didn't have no value until he started adding value onto me. And every time I was in an altar or praying and he poured out his spirit on me, once more, it added another layer of his spirit to my life. And now I'm so 
something different. <laughs> Amen. And today, this morning, you're not completed. You're not done. You're not in heaven yet. He wants to add another layer. He wants to add to your life. Amen. Because if I do this thing alone, it's just that piece of sand. But God wants to add value to those that are in His kingdom. God wants to add something to you this morning. God wants to add something to your life this morning. Amen. Don't miss out on it when He pours the pitcher out this morning. When He starts putting things on folks and giving sights and visions to people and adds anointing to a life. Don't miss out on it this morning, I pray. Don't miss out on it. we got to let God get a hold of our hearts. Amen. we got to let Him get a hold of our hearts. This isn't time out. This isn't time to rest from the presence of God because there's a pandemic going on. It's time to turn up the intensity. Amen. There's people in need of a God this morning. They're in need of an answer. And I'm one of them. Would you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nebuchadnezzar became prideful. Became prideful and that was his downfall. But he fell so God could bring him up. Amen. Amen. You fall. You fall tomorrow. It's no reason to turn from God and leave everything. If you've fallen in the last week, it's no reason to turn from God and leave everything. That's right. It's time to get back under His power and anointing. And let Him build you up. Nebuchadnezzar, I don't care how many wonders you build. I don't care how big your kingdom gets or how many walls you've got around it. How many kingdoms you conquer. You can build all that, but God still has to build you. He's still got to build you. And there's sometimes, my God, we get really self-reliant. We get really self-reliant. We get to that point sometimes. Puffed up like a Cheeto puff. And it's time for the Lord to work on us and change our mindset. Amen. I really feel the Spirit this morning. I feel like God, there's an open door. There's an open door that God has just slammed open for somebody to walk through. And I don't want anything to hinder that. I don't want anything to hinder that. Don't, don't think this morning, and I know I've got pastor's approval, don't, don't think that we've got to go by a specific schedule every single Sunday and that if we don't go by that in the time limits and everything, well, we're out of line or something like that. We're going to let God move. Yes. Amen. We're going to let God move. Amen. Amen. And do what He wants to do. And He's wanting to do something right now. Would you lift your hands in this room? Lift your hands all across this room. I'm making a plea right now. I'm making a plea this morning. I'm beyond my time, but I'm making a plea. If you felt the Lord speak to you, if you feel God talking to your heart and telling you I want to build you up, I want you to reach out to Him right now. Come on. Come on. Reach out to God. I wish, you know, even though we got a few out this morning, that you would begin to lift up your voice in this room. There, there, there needs to be a crying out this morning. Lord, build me. I want to build myself. Build me up, God. If there's pride in my life, 
Lord, I ask You, wash me clean and make me anew. Yondorobose andalamaha.